welcome to the December 2010 edition of Ordinary Means. I'm your host, Sean Nolan, here with Matt Bowling, as always. Hey, Sean, how are you? That's you. Did you know your name just got longer? It did it, really? It's now Matt Bowling, as always. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that my name had changed. My parents will be very surprised. They will be. And, well, I guess that would make my name your host, Sean Nolan. So Perhaps. if you want to call me your or host, I'll Something take like that, that as a nickname today. All right. Well, this month we wanted to talk about something that has uh, we we brought up, we just hinted at in our last podcast, and it's I think it's a big enough issue. It's it's as far reaching that it it's something we need to talk about as uh, as Christians today, as as Reformed evangelicals, as the the new young Calvinists, whatever you're going to call us. Um, and that is this phrase that keeps popping up on the titles of books. And it comes in a couple different forms. But I think the most seen is the phrase uh, gospel-centered. Uh, sometimes you've seen it, you'll see it as uh, Christ-centered. Sometimes you'll see it as cross-centered. Um, but this phrase has sort of become a catchphrase uh, among the evangelical, perhaps... Uh, more uh, powerfully among the Reformed. And uh, we thought we would spend a little time this month and perhaps next month sort of asking the question, what do we mean? What in the world do we mean when we say gospel-centered? Um, now, for my research for this, I was telling uh, Matt this just a minute ago, uh, for my research for this, I I went to that um, hotbed of all research locations. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Wikipedia. Uh, I went to Amazon.com and I did a search just in the books for the for book titles that included one of these phrases, cross-centered, gospel-centered, Christ-centered. Okay, you ready for this? You want the numbers? I'm ready. Okay. The um, <clears throat> cross-centered, there are about 82 books currently available Eighty-two? Um, Eighty-two books. You're kidding me. Um, with the ti- with cross-centered in the title, okay? We're just... And, and these aren't, like, variations of the same book, you know, cross-centered for teens, or maybe it is. There, there might be a couple of those. I didn't... Okay. I didn't... Yeah. Okay. You know, 82, I was not gonna... I was not gonna... Yeah, that's still down. craziness. Um, you might even... You might even have gotten in there references to Sovereign Graces. Sovereign Grace has a number of different editions of the cross-centered life, so that might be... Right part of what yep. you're talking about. So that's cross-centered. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Gospel-centered. 119. Wow. My favorite of which was <laughs> gospel-centered entrepreneurship. Wow, that's fascinating. Yes, I'm not I'm not sure what that means. I'm assuming that means Christian businessman. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't haven't read the book, just noticed that one that one popped up. Um, but we're still just warming up here, okay? <laughs> Christ-centered. You ready for this? Hmm. 396 books currently available. On Amazon. Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Okay, yeah. now this is where I have to read some of these to you. <clears throat> Christ-centered math lessons. Interesting. See, now, uh, but, but I can understand that I, one sure, because, sure. you know, I, I mean, we there was a... a Greg Bonson, he, I mean, he believed that, that, you know, math, math related to Christ. So, 
Well, and I don't the, know. Anyways, the, that's interesting, though. In the old days, you learned to read by reading the Bible. So I guess right. you would have Christ-centered grammar lessons. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, some of the others that I, I saw, there was one called Christ's... There, actually, there were several called Christ-centered therapy. Okay. Uh, one of which was entitled Christ-centered therapy, empowering the self. Which I thought was a a bit. Um, that's actually fast. Yes, <laughs> because that's not Christ centered. Empower yourself. It's self centered. Um, another great one: Christ centered coaching. Now, I, on on a certain level, I get it. Yeah, right? like, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm coaching soccer this afternoon, and yeah, I guess I can. Okay, sort of you see get that. it. You want to be you want to be a godly coach. You want to you want to direct your team to Christ. Okay, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, this one will come as no surprise. Christ centered yoga. Yeah. Um, I thought the chi was at the center of yoga, <laughs> but apparently you can put Christ there. Um, Christ centered proverbs for men. Okay. Um, now, I, again, I thought all of the Proverbs were Christ-centered, but um, maybe there's a Christ-centered Proverbs for women. I, I didn't I didn't particularly see that one. Okay, now, are you ready for this? <clears throat> uh, I'm ready. Christ-centered solutions for combat trauma. Christ-centered solutions for combat I know, it took me, it took me a minute. I stared at the title, and I said, and, and honestly, I've, we have a... Um, uh, we have some servicemen in our church. We have a, a gentleman who came back from Iraq, and I, I get that they need they need yeah. help yeah. coming yeah. back. And uh-huh. this is how do we do this in a Christian way? Okay, mm. I, I get that. Um, Christ-centered self-esteem is another one that I saw that relates back up to the Christ-centered therapy. Those the the psychological mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. is now taking on the the Christ-centered label now. Just for grins, I I did a, an advanced search on Amazon to see how many books are available just with the word gospel in the front of them. Okay. 67,621. Wow. Um, top hits. The Hole in Our Gospel. Don't know what it's about, but I thought it was it was a provocative title. Mm-hmm. The Hole in Our Gospel. Second one was also provocative, but for other reasons, The Naked Gospel. Ah, yes. Uh, the third uh, third one that came up was The Gnostic Gospel. That's to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, very popular. And the fourth um, surprised me, um, although I it doesn't – I'm familiar with the, with the topic, and that is The Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. No. Yeah, it was fourth one on the Amazon search. Uh, fourth in terms of relevance to the word gospel. Those are the top relevant hits if you search for gospel in Amazon, or at least okay. when I did today. Now, except most of the ones that you've mentioned were actually Christians, perhaps overusing a term, but trying to do a good thing. Where the gospel of the spaghetti monsters, I'm not guessing, is yeah. And now that was a that was a broad search for gospel. Right, um, right, right. You know, gospel. If you're not familiar, you can you can look up on Wikipedia that other source of great knowledge, the flying spaghetti monster. And the idea is, um, it's pointless to believe in God. You might as well believe in the flying spaghetti monster. That's the idea. That's, oh, okay. No, I've heard of that. That's the philosophy yeah, yeah, be- behind yeah. the 
the flying spaghetti monster. Gotcha. Um, now, no, when I looked up cross-centered, there were the standard ones, cross-centered life. Um, right. You right. know, all the ones that we know and uh, uh, Christ-centered preaching, uh, Christ-centered worship. Those books were all uh, readily, readily available there. I just pulled out some of the ones. I was really surprised that I didn't see Christ-centered gardening. Um, but, um, but it, it wasn't there. So I, the question we want to ask, I think first and foremost is why this emphasis, why is, uh, all, all of a sudden gospel centered Christ? Why do, why is, why are, are we changing our center? Um, were we somewhere else that, Mm -hmm. that we, we weren't holding to the gospel? And so now we've got to keep reiterating, no, 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 we want to be gospel-centered. No, 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 we want to be gospel-centered. No, no, um, we, want it, we want Christ at the center, and we haven't been doing that. Um, so maybe what we need to do is take a look just in terms of church history. Where have we, um, where have we been that there's suddenly a need to be gospel-centered? You, you, got any, you got any sense on that one, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think that that there's a, a uh, there's a right reaction when you look at the when you look when you do the the brief sketch, if you'll allow me here, if you if you do the brief sketch of church history in the 20th century, right, the 20th century into the 21st century, basically by the time you turn the 20th century and turn the 1900 mark. Um, you're already into uh, the modernist liberal controversy. Um, and, um, it, you know, fundamentalism and modernism are going to duke it out there basically all the way through, um, you know, the 20s and the 30s into the forming of Westminster Seminary East and into the forming of the OPC. And, um, and, and you really that's going to run – the route all the way through, even into the formation of our own denomination, right into the seventies. And you don't really have until, so the first 50 years, at least of the 20th century, you don't have anybody that's really interested in much other than just staying conservative, if you will. Um, you begin to get with people like Carl Henry and, um, and Francis Schaeffer, get people that are interested in something a little bit bigger than that culturally, but that you also get, um, with the baby boomers and the ones who grew up, you sort of get into the 80s and 90s, post-Schaefer, um, you sort of get into the 80s and 90s, you sort of get into the megachurch movement. And, and in the megachurch movement, I think that one of, the, one of the issues, and we've talked about that before, but one of the issues was that there was a real focus on what the church could offer to a church consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have labeled this attractional church. That that we that 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 uh, the reason that someone would come to our church is because we have something that's attractive to them to be here, uh, and that that attraction point could be a program, which is typically was what it was, um, but it also could have been a theology. Um, we don't sometimes don't think about in their circles that that uh, being reformed is its own form of attraction. Um, and so it, it's the reason that people would show up at a church is, is that it was attractional. I think what the gospel center trying to thing is trying to do is to say. Looking at people and why they'd come to a church in a consumer sort of model about what would attract them here is really misdirected because our point is not to point them – the reason that we're here is not to point them to a program. Um, 
or fulfill some need that they feel like they have for their life or for their kids or, or for whatever. But our point is uh, we're here to, to point them to Christ, to help them see that the gospel has got to be, you know, all through their life and apply to everything. Uh, so in that sense, I think that it makes it makes um, it's attempting to carve a different place and say, you know, you're not going to come necessarily to this church and find a bunch of programs. What you're going to find is a bunch of people that are trying to understand the gospel increasingly um, and and how it applies to their lives. And so I think that in, in my opinion, I think it's a good reaction because there have been a lot of things that that at least in the. Um, the years that I've been going to church, there's a lot of different reasons other than that that have really stood at the center of the church. Um, even the churches that I've attended, even the good churches I've attended, other things have been at the center. So I, I think that it's a good reaction, and, and frankly, it's a reaction that makes sense uh, in my mind. Well, in in many respects, and I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, is uh, whenever there's a pendulum swing from one direction to the other, usually mm-hmm. the the answer for the most part is is going to be somewhere in the center because what right. you do is you have you have movements within the church that that draw the church in one direction because it sees a weakness and so what it will do it will strengthen its weak members but in strengthening them you bring more focus to them and as a result you take your focus off of other things. So, for example, right. um, the same way there's a, a, resur- a resurgence of the gospel, there is a resurgence of um, belief in. We just did. We just did a couple podcasts on community. There's a resurgence of the of an understanding as the church as a communal body mm-hmm. um, that we're not uh, sort of a rejection of the old modernist individualism and the swing is now going toward community or communal body in a way that's almost a rejection of the individual Mm -hmm. you know so sort of at at one time um uh, many of us can remember and and perhaps even do this now that when the lord's supper is served in our church it's a time for me to sort of get alone in my closet, even though I'm sitting in a room full of people, and just sort of think deep thoughts about Jesus mm-hmm. and me. Right. Not and, a communal activity. Not a communal activity. And yet and but and that's how the Lord's Supper is generally partaken of. And yet the uh First Corinthians ten, Paul is is belaboring the point that it's one loaf of bread and we're all partakers of it. We're one body. And what's happening here is not just an individual thing. It's mm-hmm. a communal thing. Right, right. And and it's it's not just a communal thing, but it's a message to the watching world. And Absolutely. I think so. So what you've got is you've got our, this... our, our partaking together are saying we're a body that's why we're eating together right now. Yes. It's an ancient thing to, you know, remember Jesus in the Gospels that um, he eats with Pharisees and tax, or he eats with sinners and tax collectors. To eat with someone was to indicate acceptance of them. So we eat together to say we accept each other on the basis of Christ. We're accepted on the basis of Christ. Yes, it's his, it's his acceptance of us 
as his body, as his bride. And mm-hmm. now that that's all by way of illustration that you have the move towards individualism. Now I think, and, and you watch for this, there is a almost too much of an emphasis on the communal now where you're having um, groups like, like Federal Vision that we've talked about on the podcast where the emphasis is so on communal, there's almost a rejection of the individual. There's a, there's a sense of I'm, I can never actually know if you're an individual Christian. The only way I can mm-hmm. know of, if you're a Christian is if you are communing with my body. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's an error that's, that is seen a legitimate flaw, that flaw of individualism, mm-hmm. but has padded the, be- padded the deck far too much in the other direction. And, and mm. I think that's, that's the thing that I, I, I long for the folks that are caught up in the federal vision to see more clearly is that they're, they're right in terms of their analysis. They're mm-hmm. wrong in terms of their application. Right. And um, and so with gospel centered, I see. Now I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about the role the megachurch has played in the church growth movement, uh, Peter Wagner. Um, but you're right. Well, I, I think the church growth movement really is a reflection of of two things. I think historically it comes from uh, Finney. I think Finney sort of sets the sets out the theological framework for the megachurch model. But I, mm-hmm. I think it's also the uh, – that would be a little bit older. That would be 19th century. But I think in terms of 20th century, I think it's the predominance of psychology. And so those two things meeting, sort of the um, uh, the seeker-centered model, the, the salesman mm-hmm. model, mm-hmm. You know, the, the marketing model applied to church – applied to running a church meets – uh, meets the um, sort of self-centered, self-guiding, therapy-driven uh, preaching. And those two things have sort of come together. I mean, you could probably argue that Finney had some of that. Oh, I think so, you know, in a, in a less nuanced form. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to process all that at once because that wasn't the that wasn't the strain I was thinking about. I was more on the church historical strain, but I guess I can see that. But I, I think uh, particularly, a... I think that particularly when you when you you know that book that you did, you know, Christ centered for self esteem. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, um, you know, we're still sold that our greatest the greatest thing that we can have is self esteem, but we've had the wrong pathway to get there, right? So it's kind of like there's still a psychotherapeutic goal, good self-esteem, but Christ is the way to actually get my goal. It's not that I get Christ; it's it's that I get my goal. Yeah, it's Christ of, of, as a, a Christ as a means to an end, whereas what the what the good Christ-centered books and teaching is doing is it's saying no, no, no. Don't you see that the end is Christ? Exactly. The end yeah. is the glory of God. Um, I would love to see. Maybe uh, I didn't do this search, but I would love to see a movement towards glory-centered um, mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, we're going to talk in just a minute here about some of the dangers of the gospel-centered movement. I think one of them is it draws um, uh, it draws attention away 
from the reason that Christ did come and the reason mm-hmm. that he did give us the gospel is to reunite us with the Father mm-hmm. and to reestablish the glory of, of the Father. And w- so at points we can be so Christ-centered that we forget that God is trin- is Trinitarian. God is Trinitarian, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we we leave we leave the Spirit uh, and the Father out. It's it's almost as if you know the 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 beginning, the middle, and the end is Jesus. And and there are certainly scriptures that say, you know, through through Him and for Him and to Him are all things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you've got to you got to have the whole Trinity in there. Um, right, you can't you can't uh, be neglecting, um, yeah. You can't and, and uh, yeah. I, I was going to say I, I was provoked some years ago um, by uh, a, a guy who asked if somebody came and heard the prayers in your church on one Sunday, would they know that God is Trinity? Hmm. And that was fascinating you know, for who, our songs. Who are you praying you know, to? This yeah. Point of the journey. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the purpose of praying, we we often pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' mm-hmm. name, amen. In Jesus' na- name, amen. Um, and we f- forget, I think, the reason we pray in Jesus' name is that he's the reason we can pray to the Father. Right. And, the reason we can address the Father, yeah. And Jesus own instruction in the Lord's Prayer is every prayer begins, uh, I'm, I'm not being legalistic here, but our prayers are addressed to the Father through the Son, and the the answer always comes by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the Father who calls, the Son who saves, and the Spirit who sanctifies. Apply. Yeah, and applies. Yeah. It applies salvation. Yeah, yeah. In, in which gets it, I think, another of the uh, – maybe this is where we need to go to this. What are the dangers of an emphasis on gospel-centered, Christ-centered and, – and again, let, let's reiterate. I, I think both you and I, Matt, think that gospel-centered, Christ-centered is a good thing. Absolutely. I, I think it's an absolutely good thing. I, I think it's a helpful corrective. And I also think that it's harder than it appears um, if some of our listeners are – uh, familiar with, say, um, um, the material by Ted Tripp on parenting. Um, it's a lot harder and a lot more costly to do gospel-centered parenting uh, than it is to do most of the ways that we grew up, even in Christian families' parenting. Um, it's a far more challenging way of going to your kids and saying, um, you're a wicked sinner. Why did you do that? Instead of taking a minute's more reflection and go, oh, um, my kid did that because he's a chip off the old block, and I might not do it as foolishly as he just did, but I do the same kind of foolish thing. And so when I go to my kid, I go to my kid and I go, um, you know, that was sinful and wrong. It's sinful and wrong like when daddy um, does this. And uh, we're both people that really need Jesus a lot. Um, so let's talk about this and let's pray because um, you just showed how much you need Jesus and I need Jesus just like you do. So let's pray that it'll help us. So I think that it, it while it's, it's very, very good, it's also far harder. 
it's far more challenging. It's far more heart searching. Um, and for that reason, I'm not sure that it will be quote unquote as successful as other forms of doing church. Um, one of our, uh, we recently had a, uh, what we call family talk night here to talk about some changes that we're making in the ministry and the facility and stuff. And one of the things that I said very honestly is, you know, a church that tries to attract people to it by the programs that it does, that's actually a very easy form of church because it doesn't require a lot personally of me. It doesn't, it doesn't involve necessarily, we're going to get here in this podcast even, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm genuinely being sanctified and changed from the heart uh, all the way out to the way that I live. Um, I can be an absolutely ranked sinner and teach a Sunday school class um, and make it appear that all is fine. Um, but I can't consistently spend time with, with an unbeliever where I'm, I'm not uh, exhibiting real Holy Spirit self-control, real Holy Spirit um, fruit of the Spirit kind of love and gentleness and kindness and meekness and humility. Um, I, I can't do that consistently unless I'm really being changed from within. True, di so, true discipleship I, or a mentoring relationship. That's the kind of thing that you can't do. Can't fake that. Can't fake it. Can't fake, <laughs> can't fake this. And um, so in one <laughs> sense, it's very, very heartening. In another sense, I'm jaded a little bit because I realize it's a very difficult form of life. It's a very much more difficult form of ministry. I have a friend here locally. Uh, you mean, you, by, by difficult form of life, you mean being gospel-centered? Yeah. Okay. It's a much more challenging form of life, not because I have to work it up, but just because it's heart searching all the time. It's it's affirming in the sense of I really get Christ and and I and I want to be experiencing the gospel. But on the other hand, uh, you know the gospel is both bad news and good news. You know I'm so bad, Christ had to come for me. But I'm so loved and cherished, He was glad to come for me. It doesn't and unless that dynamics at work, unless both halves of that equation are at work, I'm not being genuinely sanctified. Um, and, and, and that's the sense in which a, a guy here locally that, that I've really grown to respect and enjoy, I, I, I heard him talk in the spring, and he said, you know, if your church is really preaching the gospel, you're constantly going to be chasing people away. Because on the one hand, people really hate the message because it's extraordinar extraordinarily offensive. Um, it's offensive to pride and to self-righteousness. It's yeah, offensive yeah. To, to me cherishing sin. It's offensive to me cherishing idols. Um, and on the other hand, if people are really getting the message, they realize that they've got to go. They've got to go out and spread the message to people. And it may be that they came to your church because you were, for us at least, because you were reformed. We had this recently happen with a great young couple in our church. The guy was in the search committee that brought me here. They were driving 30, 30 minutes to come to our church, coming across four communities to get here because we're reformed. They got the gospel, and they're like, you know what? It'd be nice to be in a reformed church, but we don't have to be. Um, we can raise our kids, we can do this or whatever. It'd be a lot better for us to be in a church that's close by that we can invite people to. Yeah. Um, and, and they got it. Yeah. That was painful. It was difficult. But I'm just saying that, that, that you really preach the gospel. You're going to have people coming and going all the time because some people are going to go, we have a lady and on the other side of the equation. We've got a lady in our church that that's recently come and she said, I've never been in a church like this before. I don't have to pretend anymore. That's awesome. I mean, that's absolutely tremendous where you, somebody comes into a church and they felt like they've always had to put on a show. And here they don't have to because the gospel is liberating people and everybody's okay with the fact. I mean, okay because they're accepted because of the work of Jesus. They're okay with the fact that they're sinners. It's not that they don't want to keep sinning. It's that they're okay with that. 
Now, I want to uh, I want to pick up on that because I think you're getting at both one of the key factors that makes gospel-centered good, but also at a key factor that is probably the number one complaint I'm seeing about things being gospel-centered. Okay. And and that is the issue of of holiness of mm-hmm. of godliness because on the mm-hmm. on the one hand what we're saying by gospel centered by by focusing on the gospel which is the good news of Jesus Christ that I'm not saved by my works but I am saved by the works of Christ mm-hmm. on the one hand Christ gives me an alien righteousness right and I am to live every day this is by by far biggest use of the term gospel-centered in my research was gospel-centered life. And that Mm -hmm. is applying the good news to every day of my life, whether Mm -hmm. it's my parenting, whether it's my gardening, or or my Mm -hmm. math lessons, as the case may be. I am applying this gospel of an alien righteousness to myself. I'm, I'm daily. It's, it's daily. It's essentially. It's, Jack Miller used to say, "Preach the gospel to yourself every day." Yeah, Martin Luther. It was that's he got it. He got that from Martin Luther, right? And it, that's essentially what we're talking about. I think what most people are talking about when they say gospel centered, right? However, there is a you know just as you and I have seen, and perhaps some of our listeners have seen this. You have uh, a a particularly gifted preacher, say a John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Well, there are in this world um, hundreds, perhaps thousands of men who see themselves as just trying to do what John MacArthur did. Who've okay. gone, you know, who've gone to his seminary, who who go out and they've they've started Grace Community Churches. Okay. Um, same thing, Jack Miller. Jack Miller start, had the first New Life Church, and there are all over the place hundreds of New Life churches. Um, I think of some of the preachers that Matt and I studied under in seminary and how there would be guys that would go out from them and just they wanted to preach like this one particular person. Um, that's great. Uh, it's great to be listening to good preaching. It's great to be um, challenging yourself to grow into being a better preacher if you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but you'll always be, if you're just following one guy, you're always going to be a little off. Your emphasis, uh, I, I can't remember who said this, but it's it's been said that every preacher really only has one sermon. He hmm. just preaches it in a thousand different ways. Well, and you certainly see that with somebody like, <clears throat> Um, and it, certainly John Piper is not monolithic uh, in what he says. Um, but uh, but he always comes back to joy. He does. He comes back to joy. He comes back to delighting in God. Yeah. And it is an exceptional thing to emphasize, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Tim Keller could be accused probably of saying that everything's always about idolatry. Or everything's about the city. Or everything's about the city. Yeah. You know, and, and a wonderful, again, wonderful things to emphasize. <clears throat> Um, but maybe not your your single single note. Well, I don't think we're going to see a lot of books called idolatry centered <laughs> preaching. No, probably or, not. Or or even city centered. Maybe I mean we've seen we're seeing a little bit of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
But what I'm, what I think we're seeing, and some some men much wiser than myself have been saying, is that the gospel-centered so focuses on justification that it forgets, in many cases, about sanctification. And that's why I think right now we're seeing these gospel-centered life is it's an attempt to make gospel-centered relate to sanctification. Let me explain a little bit what I mean. Okay. Um, when we talk about the gospel, obviously y- you and I, and and perhaps all of our three listeners, hear gospel-centered and they say, okay, that means I'm applying the grace of God in Jesus Christ at every point. So I'm going through my day and um, I as a man uh, am walking along a beach and I see a woman scantily clad and I um, and I look twice, okay, mm-hmm. and I say, "Oh man, why did I do that? Um, why did I also? I think my first question is, why did she dress like that? But then my second question is, why did I do that? We turn away and we say, okay, how do I apply the gospel in the situation? Well, you know what? Jesus' grace is here even for me in this time of of wandering eyes. Um, he doesn't mm-hmm. give me license." To, to look again a third time. He didn't give me license to look the second time, but his grace is here, and because I'm I'm focusing on the gospel, I can continue. I don't need to be I don't need to go into a state of depression over my sin. Um I don't need to ignore my sin. Um hmm. I don't need to you know, all the things psychology does. I don't need to toss my sin off on someone else. Hmm. Um I don't need to do any of those because I'm gospel centered. Okay? Which right. is great. But you notice that the emphasis is is on justification, who I am in Christ. Right. And I think what we're beginning to see is a number of gospel-centered churches that have so focused on this message that w- what we're going to need is now a pendulum swing to holiness-centered right. churches. Right. Well, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm not sure, but um, for people who know the the last 40 years of history in the Reformed world, um, there's an interesting interleave of a systematic theologian and a practical theologian at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia in the same time frame. So in 1970 and 1975, Jack Miller and um, Norman Shepard are teaching at the same time at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. And this was a time, 70 to 75, um, when easy believism was a problem in the church. And, of course, that comes to full flower, um, you know, in the oh, the 80s into 90, when John MacArthur finally asked to write a couple of books to talk about, you know, what, did Jesus, what was the gospel according to Jesus and what was the gospel according to the apostles to kind of slam dunk this movement where you could just believe but you didn't have to repent, right? But they were both trying to deal with an easy believism in the early 70s. And their way that they dealt with that, they, they took entirely different tacks. They would look at people's lives and they would go, their lives aren't really being changed. Are, are they believers? Um, why aren't their lives being changed? What's, what's distorted here? And the way that Jack Miller said was, you know what? I bet people really are not getting justification. And what Norman Shepard said was, I think that people really are not getting sanctification. Hmm. And so they answered the they answered the problem very very differently, and I think that that will always tend in that way 
where the the materials that World Harvest produces now are far better than the original Sunship materials. They're much more nuanced and much more helpful. Gospel transformation, uh, I've used it, and it's it's very very helpful, and it misses some of the liabilities because they've been humbled. They were really humble about it, and Jack's son is exceptional. Um, in the way that he's led things and the things that he's written and the way that they've gone about it has been very, very good. Paul, Paul um, Miller. We've, Paul Miller. We've, rec- yeah. we've recommended his recommended. books before. And, yeah. and he's always recommended because he's just – he's very balanced and very good. Um, and I think that we'll always have that tendency where you're always going to have um, – uh, uh, and I'll just pick on a couple of people and, and if – these people feel hammered, then they can get back to us and we'll apologize. But I have seen some graduates <laughs> Wait, was of our denomination. It's easier to uh, it's easier. Forgiveness is easier seen than some permission. Yeah, exactly. I've seen some graduates of our own denominational seminary who can't preach on sin. Um, you know, and 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 as a and as a result, um, you know, it's it's just that sin's not that big a deal. Because you've got Jesus. And that's the issue that you're bringing out. And, and I think that that can be a problem at times. But I think you can, you, but you can also overreact the other way and you can say, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter whether you're justified. Are you really seeing it out in your life? I mean, come on. Let's see it. And, and I think that those two poles are always going to be there. And the, the Puritans, frankly, got this right. Um, they, they, they got this union of the two, even, the, even our confession. Our catechisms, they get this right. They say that they're inseparable. Justification and sanctification are inseparable. They differ, but they're inseparable. And they're inseparable because God doesn't doesn't give us new life. He doesn't give us new standing with him. He doesn't give us new hearts for them to stay the same as they are, but to get working by grace, by the power of the Spirit, seeing the word changes from the inside out. And so we can't not have that dynamic going on. Um, we must have that dynamic going on. It's not enough just to say, I'm accepted by God, period, end of story. Um, it's more, I've been accepted by God. He loves me enough. He loves me in Jesus enough to accept me now, but he loves me too much to leave me where I am. Um, and so he wants to change us. It's the whole reason he's grabbed. He's got to change us. I'm preaching through Jonah right now. And, you know, why? Wh- what did God want to do? Why did he call Jonah? Well, he wanted to reach some pagan sailors and some Ninevites with the gospel. But what was the problem? The problem was Jonah. Not God's willingness to save them or their willingness by grace to turn from their sin. The problem was Jonah in that equation. God's always after us. He's always after changing us. Um, so we can't, we can't lose that in this. I, I'm thinking about um, evangelism in... Uh, we would have known as the 70s and 80s, I, I, I know it went back earlier than that, um, where it was profoundly, uh, it, it sort of left the taste of fire insurance in in, <laughs> in, in, in people's minds. You know what I'm saying? Where right. it, it, there was sort of, there was this era of if I can just give people a, a quick little gospel message that and they can say yes or no everything's fine mm-hmm. um and gospel centered i think is a re- is a reaction to that in that it is saying in some respect in the be- in the better ways it's saying no 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 the gospel isn't just something that you believe and you get the fire insurance you mm. don't you're not going to go to hell now you it doesn't matter what you do 
as long as you've prayed that prayer of repentance, you're going to, um, you're going to be okay. We do tend to think of the gospel as something that is just back there at the beginning of my Christian walk. Mm-hmm. And the gospel-centered people are trying to say, no, 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 it's it's everywhere. It is part of your sanctification. The gospel is just as relevant to your sanctification as to your justification. Um, but what you've what what you've got on a very practical level, and I'm I'm hopping around a little bit here, but I'm 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 wary of the time, and I know that. Um, I know. I know where we want too. to go, and yeah. I think, yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll extend this to a second podcast next month, right? Because I think what we want to do, we've talked about some of the dangers, and I think what we we need to do next uh, by giving you the dangers first, we're being provocative. We're purposely mm-hmm. saying, here's here's some of the things you really w- want to watch out for, and and one of those is in preaching, is. Listen to you can you can tell the gospel centered preachers tend to focus on even though they they want to emphasize sanctification they tend to focus on justification you are saved in Christ and therefore let that empower your sanctification mm-hmm. but then it it leaves a whole bunch of biblical passages open where you go well now well hold on. What do I actually do about sexual immorality? What do mm. I what do I actually do about stewardship? What do I actually do about power relationships? What do I actually do about that guy in my family that I just can't forgive and I haven't talked to him for five years? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a tendency among the gospel-centered folks that they don't want to preach the law. Mm-hmm. You know, Luther's old law and gospel. Every sermon had to have law and gospel. Right. And if we're going to be gospel-centered, we can't be gospel-centered unless we are giving the law to lead to the gospel. And then Mm -hmm. after the gospel, we're bringing back to the law to show how sanctification works by the power of the gospel. Because we're not just saved unto salvation, we're saved unto glorification. Yeah, and I, I think that's 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 well put because I think that one of the problems I, I, I once to a, a, a good friend um, who um, who we were wrestling through these issues, I said to him, I said the way that I put this together, and I still like to put this together this way, um, and I'm very I'm a very convinced gospel centered person. Christ sends us to the law. To show us our sin. The law sends us to Christ as a schoolmaster. Jesus says, you want to be saved, go to the law. Oh, what do you find when you get there? You need to be more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes. Hmm. Uh, I can't do that. Okay, go look at the Ten Commandments. Just just two. Just, it, it, just two things you need to do. Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Uh... That's how I get saved? Yeah, yeah, just those two. Uh, oh, but I'll I'll do those for you, and I'll die for you, and I'll rise again for you, and I'll intercede for you forever, and I'll stay in a body forever for you. And Oh, I'll... Jesus, I need you. Oh, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus says, yeah, that's the point. The law is there to show you that you need me. Okay. Well, Jesus, I love you. Well, if you love me, obey my commands. John 15. And Jesus 
the law sends us to Christ and Christ sends us back to the law to form our, to form our love. The law forms our love. It tells us what does it look like to love God and to love neighbor. And we can't lose that. That's why half our, half our catechisms are expositions of the law. If I could say one thing to any, any potential preacher or any pastor that is listening to this, it would be um, don't get so caught up in the gospel-centered model that you're not preaching the whole counsel of God. Hmm. Because at the, at the end of the day, the time will pass when books with the title, with the words gospel-centered in them, will no longer be written, will be centered on something else. Right. Uh, the, the, you know, the emphasis will change. And when that time comes, I hope we're still gospel-centered. Absolutely. But I hope we also learn balance from whatever direction the pendulum swings. And, and I, I think that direction will be holiness. I think there's going to be a resurgence of a need to say, okay, yes, you're saved in Christ, but don't forget what you're saved unto and that God is glorified as you are made holy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and that's it's the best that life can be lived. Yeah. I mean, to refuse the law is to refuse the best that life can be lived. Let's, let, let's leave it there. <laughs> let's, okay. let's leave this hanging right here. And, um, what we'd like you to do is toss out, hopefully, I, I know some of our listeners are, are still catching up. Some of them don't. This is why we only do once a month. I mean, I, I know there are podcasts out there that, that go weekly or bi-monthly. And um, I don't know about would you. Have, not only, I, I would not, I would have completely gray hair by then and perhaps nothing left on top of my head. <laughs> well, if we I wouldn't this. have time to Fun listen. Fun as it is. But. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have time to listen. Um, that's just, I don't have time in my, in my week to be listening to multiple podcasts, but hopefully by giving you one a month, we give you some food for thought. And, uh, so uh, probably so, plenty of food for thought. That's what I hear about my sermons. Here's uh, you give me a lot to think about. And that's my goal. So here's, well, here, this is the food for thought we've given you. We've given you a podcast now. Um, <laughs> pardon the analogy, throw up a little bit of this, throw it back at us on the blog. <laughs> And and let us know the questions you have. Maybe some of the concerns that you've seen. Maybe maybe you're ticked at us right now because we've done nothing but complain about being gospel-centered, and that's what we should be, and you're convinced that we're liberals. Um, maybe, uh, who, I don't know. You, you put it on the blog, you ask your questions, and then next month we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this again um, because all great things come in twos. Uh, so... <laughs> You got two of us. Hey, you know? although neither of us have had any twins yet. But, no, so. no, we haven't. But our, our kids are all divisible by two. Um, yes, indeed. So with that, that being the case, think about these things. Ponder these things. Uh, always go back to the gospel. The Apostle Paul said, um, I preach one thing. I preach Christ and him crucified uh, to Jews, a stumbling block and to um, I'm just forgot the end of it to no to. Jews, a stumbling block to Gentiles, foolishness. And um, so that's the center. Christ has to be at the center. Um, Absolutely. But we also have to have the whole council surrounding 
Christ at the center. So may the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means. Thank you.